Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. A couple of big stories, more than a couple, that we are tracking as we roll through Thursday for many of you waking up with us on the West Coast or otherwise. Um, First of all, Eli Manning uh, officially going to retire as a New York Giant. That announcement supposedly going to come tomorrow morning. Eli, 16 years, a starter, two Super Bowls. Pretty incredible statistics, I think, put him in the Hall of Fame with ease. 57,073 passing yards, that's seventh all-time. 366 touchdown passes, that is seventh all-time in the history of the NFL. Uh, 210 consecutive starts over 16 seasons. Two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs. This is, to me, a no-brainer. Eli Manning will be a Hall of Famer. And the easy way for you to think about this, I think, if you are uh, out there listening to us right now, if I told you, let's presume that Joe Burrow is going to go number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. If I told you Joe Burrow was going to start for you for 16 straight years, was going to win two Super Bowls, was going to finish in the top 10 all-time in passing yardage and touchdowns, and was going to be twice a Super Bowl MVP as a part of winning those two Super Bowls, what would you say if you were a Bengal fan right now? 
that Joe Burrow is the greatest Cincinnati Bengal of all time, and you would want a statue up to him outside. Let's presume that Tua is going to go number five overall. Let's presume that Tua is going to go number five overall, and he finishes top 10 all-time in passing yards and in passing touchdowns, and he wins two Super Bowls for the Miami Dolphins and is twice a Super Bowl MVP. You would call him the next Marino, and you would put a statue of him up outside of the stadium. Same thing is true if, for instance, the L.A. Chargers go out and they draft, let's say, Justin Herbert. And Herbert comes in, finishes top 10 in both passing yards and touchdowns and wins two Super Bowls and is twice a Super Bowl MVP. He would get a statue probably outside of the new SoFi Stadium, assuming that the Chargers have the rights as the side chick of the L.A. sports media empire to even put statues up outside of the new football stadium. All of those things would be indisputably true, which is why I think if you take Eli out of the Giants and put him on almost any other team in the NFL, I think he's more beloved than he is as a Giant. Uh, And if you put Eli, let's say, playing for the Tennessee Titans or the Houston Texans or uh, the uh, Minnesota Vikings or the Arizona Cardinals, that guy is the greatest player to ever take the field, probably, for all of those different franchises, and he would be incredibly beloved. Um, I would even argue with you uh, that Eli is partly harmed by being a Manning, that if his last name was, let's say like Eli Rivers, let's say that you made Eli's uh, last name Rivers and you made Philip Rivers' last name Manning, for instance, and they had the exact same career otherwise, I think Eli would be much more beloved if he weren't Peyton's brother because if Philip Rivers had Eli Manning's stats, he'd be a surefire NFL Hall of Famer in terms of the postseason success. I know that Philip Rivers has had a lot of success during the regular season, never been able to translate it to the postseason. The reason you play the game is to win Super Bowls. You win two of them and you're twice the Super Bowl MVP and you beat an 18-0 and New England Patriots team and another really good New England Patriots team, to me, this is a no-brainer. Eli, Hall of Famer with ease, and probably the most underrated Hall of Fame quarterback that we've seen in the 21st century. All right, that is Eli. Other big news, Zion Williamson made his debut uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans. Confession, I went to bed before he actually played well. At halftime, nothing had happened in this game. In the third quarter, nothing had happened in this game. And then in the fourth quarter, suddenly uh, Zion went off and scored 17 straight points, including four for four from three. I believe we have Zion talking about his performance after the game. How difficult was it when you kind of found that rhythm to not be able to to stay in, knowing that long-term it may have been a better decision? Uh, It's very hard. You know, I'm 19. Honestly, in that moment, I'm not thinking about longevity. I'm thinking about winning that game. So it's very, it was very tough. It was everything I dreamed of, uh, except for the losing part. Just the energy the crowd brought, um, the energy the city brought. Um, it was electric, and you know, I'm just grateful that they did that. So it was a dream come true to finally get out there, but at the end of the day, I didn't want to win. So I just got to look the next game. Zion, really likable. Even though he's only 19, first of all, he looks and sounds a lot older than 19. Uh, But even in that limited interaction we just showed you with the media, uh, a lot of maturity from him. And I still think we were just closing out hour number two talking about this, how strange it is 
to pull a guy because of minutes in a basketball game. And the NBA, I mean, I think there's a lot of you out there who feel like the NBA's kind of gone over the top on analytics, how many minutes you play, everything else. You know, the best way to never get injured is to never play. <laughs> so, you know, like on some level, like the best minute restriction is to never play at all. Then you're unlikely to ever injure yourself. Uh, so I think it's challenging to see a guy who's playing like he is pull him from the game. And uh, as a result, I think that Spurs won. And this speaks to the fact that it's an 82-game season and how little it often appears that individual NBA teams value any of the 82 regular season games. And frankly, if the Clippers go on and win a title with Kawhi Leonard again this year, like the Raptors did last year, this thing's only going to grow because teams emulate success. And if success suggests, hey, your star players should only play 60 of the 82 games, then to me, other players are going to want to do that, right? Like, if uh, if 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 Colin Cowherd and Dan Patrick got four months of vacation every year and they still had the exact same revenue for advertising, I'd be like, why don't I get four months of vacation a year? Why am I out here, you know, grinding away, never missing a day? Um, it's what people are going to do, right? You're going to emulate the successful people in your business if they find out a way uh, works that's different than what's been going and being done before then uh, then certainly it's going to be uh, copied, I think, by other teams. Uh, so that is the Zion update. The other update in a less positive scenario, positive for Eli. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, positive for Zion. He had four straight threes, which suggests that maybe in the offseason, uh, as well as during this injury time, when he wasn't able to be explosive, maybe the Pelicans have had Zion shooting a lot of threes. It could be a statistical anomaly. It could be an aberration that he went out and hit four straight threes. But that was one of the big questions about Zion coming into the league was could he extend his game and become more of a stretch four in the NBA and be able to make it that much more difficult to defend him if that, you know, he's not going to go four for four every night. But if he could be a consistent 35% three-point shooter down the line, uh, that would really open up the floor for him in a big way and go a long way towards answering those questions and also proving, hey, I'm not going to be a Ben Simmons type who can dominate the game but doesn't have to be guarded anywhere near the three-point line. Imagine if Ben Simmons could ever develop a 35%, for instance, three-point shot. If he could hit uh, you know, three out of every 10 that he would take even, he would be infinitely more difficult to defend. Uh, but that has not happened. We'll see whether or not it ever does. But that's big for Zion to illustrate that that might be a new part of his overall repertoire when it comes to his game. Uh, the other story that we are tracking is uh, last night, Antonio Brown officially had a warrant issued for his arrest by the Hollywood, Florida Police Department. Those are the same Hollywood, Florida police, by the way, that Antonio Brown was screaming insults, both racial and derogatory nature, at uh, as recently as last week. He has now had a, uh, a warrant issued for his arrest. He has not been responding to uh, to police. His trainer has already been arrested I would think there's probably a good chance that at some point during the day today, uh, they will show up at his house, the Hollywood police, and arrest Antonio Brown if he does not turn himself in uh, now that he knows there has been an arrest warrant issued for him. We will keep you updated on all of those uh, all of those stories as we continue to track them. By the way, going to join us in the next segment Dr. David Chow, our uh, pro football doctor. But this Zion news uh, is interesting. I want to see what Dr. Chow thought 
about how Zion moved on the court, what kind of uh, what kind of vibe he got from a doctor perspective on Zion's return to action uh, in the NBA and also the minute restrictions and everything else associated with that. Uh, but of these three stories that I think are all out there and relatively big stories, you should also mention that Kansas and Kansas State have issued their uh, their suspensions. Uh, I think four total players missing a uh, quite a few games. Uh, that's the update on that story that we talked about yesterday. Which of these three to you is the most interesting? Zion, Eli, or uh, A.B., Danny G.? I guess Zion because he used the word electric, and it really was that 17 straight point run he had. The threes he was putting up seemed really seamless. I mean, he was shooting with ease. Them pulling him, just five minutes left in the game, building was on fire, looked like this could maybe catapult the Pelicans to a win streak and the city of New Orleans would just be all smiles this morning. Instead, the medical staff gets the the final say or maybe the front office. But there were two times in the fourth quarter where Alvin Gentry had a player at the scorer's table ready to check in and get him out of there in the middle of that run he was on. And Gentry sat the player back down and the announcers were like, good, don't take him out right now. Okay, the Spurs were not playing physical ball with him. So I think this is where, as the coach, the medical staff, you got to use your eyes a little bit. There was even a point there where he was able to gather his own offensive rebound because the Spurs backed off him, not only from his shots, but they weren't pushing him around. So to play those last five minutes, unless you're playing a team that was really being physical with him, I don't understand why you would pull him out of that game. Yeah, it's interesting, and we'll talk to Dr. Chow about that, the difference between, what did he play, 17 total minutes? I mean, if he had played 21 total minutes, would that have been substantially different in terms of his long-range projection? That seems crazy to me, uh, that there would be that much difference between a 17 and a 21-minute. I understand not wanting the guy out there for like 32 or 35 minutes or something like that, but when you're talking about a rounding error between 17 and 21, it doesn't seem like the overall projection or expectation would change that much based on those couple of minutes. Uh, which which of these stories most interesting to you, Dub? Well, we can debate about Eli for the rest of time, so it's not that one to me. I don't even think there's much of a debate about Eli. Like You can argue that Eli doesn't uh, deserve to be in the, in the Hall of Fame, you're entitled to any kind of argument you want to make. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, and it's not going to be remotely close. So, like, I understand you can make the argument that he shouldn't be, but when you're top 10 all-time in passing, when you're top 10 all-time in touchdowns, when you have won two different Super Bowls and you've twice been the Super Bowl MVP and you started for 16 years, I'm sorry, it's an open and shut case. He is going to be in Canton he's going to get the uh the sort of mustard colored jacket like that's a decided story you could argue otherwise but I don't even see how that's a debate well that was kind of my point I mean he's going to get in so it doesn't really matter what any of us say but for me right now I think it's probably Antonio Brown just because there's so much uncertainty surrounding his entire situation and he has a arrest warrant out right now I mean is he going to be arrested today what is going to happen next so to me, that's definitely the story that interests me the most. Yeah, and look, I mean, once he gets arrested, like th- these charges are not massively serious in the grand scheme of things. I mean, you don't ever want to get arrested for a felony, period. But once he gets arrested, it also creates the question of how's he going to respond to this? 
there's been a lot of people out there at some point in their life who have found themselves sitting in the back of a police car, right? Maybe you got arrested, maybe you didn't, maybe you were stupid in uh, college or walking around with an open container. It doesn't necessarily have to be a serious thing. But when you find yourself in a police car or when you find yourself dealing with criminal issues in your life, maybe it's a DUI, uh, maybe it was uh, you know something relatively insignificant, maybe you stole something from a uh, from a mall when you were a teenager, right? I mean, there are a lot of different things you were shoplifting, a lot of different things that you could have run afoul of the law with. Most people who are not going to become career criminals, when they have that moment in their life and they think to themselves, oh my God, I can't believe that X happened. I can't believe that I got arrested because I stole a shirt from Abercrombie & Fitch, right? I can't believe that I got arrested because... Um, you know, because I had too much to drink and I was being drunk and disorderly in this bar. Most people, when they get arrested, particularly if it's for something that is, in the grand scheme of things, not that hugely important, right? I'm not talking about like, oh, you're getting arrested for, you know, attempted murder or something or bank robbery, right? Like something that's a big, like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. I'm talking about like sort of a lifestyle related arrest. And I'd say that's what kind of happened to Antonio Brown here. Do you look in the mirror and say, man, I got to really address the way my life is going because it's led to this place and it ain't good? Or is that the beginning of your long descent into a really bad place in life? Sadly, I feel like Antonio Brown is not the guy who stands and looks in the mirror and says, I'm responsible for the decisions that I'm making. I think this is just the latest on a long slide into the depths of uh, a, a location that, frankly, I don't know where this ends. I, I know it's not headed in a good direction, but I don't feel like Antonio Brown's suddenly going to recognize that he's making poor decisions in his life and change things. I think this is just the latest line of demarcation that he's crossing, uh, and it ain't a good one. What what to you stands out the most of the three stories that I think are probably the biggest in the world of sports this morning, uh, Eddie Garcia? Well, as much as we might disagree on Eli Manning, he is definitely getting in. I, I won't even argue about, against that, so that's really not that interesting. For Antonio Brown, this is just the next step in in a, in a line of steps. This won't be the last time he gets into trouble. So to me, it's not. It's just the latest thing. It's not the defining thing for him that's going to change his life or turn him around and make him see the light. So I will go with Danny G. I'll say it is Zion both for the beginning of his career, for the glimpse of greatness that he might have, and for him being pulled out of the game and and that narrative with the NBA where the regular season doesn't really matter. Yeah, that really does suck for the NBA because that narrative is out there because it's accurate that the regular season doesn't matter. And you finally get this new sort of transcendent jewel that you're hoping will be the next LeBron, right? I mean, I think that's what, if, if Adam Silver were being honest and you said, okay, what do you want for Zion? You'd be like, well, I want him to be the next LeBron. I want people to care about him a great deal. You finally have him make his debut. He doesn't do anything for the first three quarters, really. And then he gets white hot in the fourth quarter and scores 17 straight and they pull him. And again, and then a lot of people out there say, well, wait a minute. This doesn't happen other than in baseball with a pitcher. Other than in baseball with a pitcher, this doesn't happen in any other sport. You don't pull Patrick Mahomes on a fourth quarter drive that could win the game when he's coming back from a uh, from a knee dislocation, kneecap dislocation, because 
your worry about him getting injured. Once you put him back out on the field, once you get him involved in that process, you're going to continue to roll with him. And I think this just unfortunately reinforces the fact that the NBA regular season doesn't matter at all and that you, even the players, I mean, look, I mean, Kawhi and Paul George both set out last night, I believe, for the Clippers, but the top players are going to end up playing, I believe, in the years ahead, 60, 65 games, and they're going to have top-end minute restrictions on them. And you can criticize LeBron for a lot uh, in terms of the way that he uh, has sometimes behaved uh, with his athletic career, but he's always, by and large, shown up and played in almost all games all the years around, and it seems like the criticism for not playing stung him and I think you're going to look back in the like the LeBron generation, uh, which we criticize for being soft compared to the Jordan generation. It's going to end up looking a lot tougher than the next generation of players because at least LeBron felt compelled to try and play 82. Right? It used to be a big deal back Patrick Ewing, Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, John Stockton, Reggie Miller. If you remember that era of the NBA. Those guys all thought it was a point of pride to play 82 games. Even in the end of Michael Jordan's career, when he's playing with the Wizards, I believe I'm correct that he played 82 games at like 43 years old. Somebody can look that up, but I don't think Jordan missed a game in his final season with the Wizards. The fact that he was going to play every game was a huge point of pride, even as an old guy in the league, and even when there wasn't anything that he was really playing for in that uh, in that era. And so... This, I think, is going to become more and more common. It's strange to pull him out, I think, when you scored 17 straight and you have a chance to win a game. It just speaks to the fact that NBA teams, really, in the grand scheme of things, don't care that much about individual games. Uh, Roberto, what do, you, what do you think stands out? For me, it's uh, Antonio Brown, man. I feel like we're watching a real-life doc, uh, documentary in real time right here with Antonio Brown, how, how this thing is going to end, man. It's not going good right now, and it's not going to end good. It's either going to end up broke somehow or... You know, I hate to see him end up dead somewhere, but it's 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 not going good right now for him. And who knows where this 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 thing ends? It's not going to be good, man. Yeah, and I also wonder, like Antonio Brown, watching with the Aaron Hernandez documentary. Exactly. If, if you're a, a a fan of the wins and losses podcast that we do, and you should be, if you haven't listened to some of those, they've been fantastic. We're going to sit down with Dan Wetzel today, and it should be up later this afternoon, podcast exclusive, talking about that Aaron Hernandez documentary, but in the same way that Aaron Hernandez sort of lost his way. Uh, obviously, much more significant wrongdoing. But in terms of you know his life spiraling out of control, if you watch that documentary, I feel like Antonio Brown's life has spun out of control. And I wonder, as I watch Antonio Brown, too, when I saw the way that Odell Beckham Jr. was behaving at the uh, LSU game uh, in the wake of their championship, I wonder on some level whether we're seeing an early preview with Antonio Brown of what might happen with Odell Beckham Jr.'s life as well. That's one of my fears. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool to finish the job stop by o'reilly auto parts and ask about their loaner tool program simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool then get your deposit back when it's returned need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly the professional parts people at o'reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and who doesn't want better sex? But if you have ED, you may be struggling and dragging your feet on solving the problem. Don't put off having a better sex life any longer. Check out Hymns Sex Chews and bring a new level of excitement and confidence to your sex life. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hymns has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting Getting you down, it's time to change that. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash two pros. That's H I M S dot com slash two pros for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash two pros. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. Sex choose are compounded products and have not been approved by the FDA. The FDA does not verify the safety or effectiveness of compounded drugs. 
Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Thursday edition of the program. We bring in now Frank Isola. He's at the Frank Isola on Twitter. Uh, you can read him at uh, The Athletic. You can watch him on television on ESPN's Around the Horn and oftentimes on PTI as well. And you can also listen to him on Sirius XM as well as here every single Thursday morning at hour one. Frank, big news. Uh, I want to start with Eli since you're in New York. Uh, what is the vibe going to be tomorrow when Eli officially hangs it up forever in New York? Because, And I say that because New York tends not to be a sentimental city until all of a sudden it is. And I feel like uh, the retrospective on Eli's career, for 16 years, Giants fans could rely pretty much on him being there. He won a couple of Super Bowls. He's not Derek Jeter, but it's going to be a sad day, I think. Yeah, well, you mentioned Derek Jeter, so put that into, you know, include that into it. This is a big week in New yeah. York. And I think with Eli retiring, everyone knew that he was just about done, you know, for the past couple of years. But, you know, as what his career was, he was 117 and 117 as a, you know, as a starting quarterback. I mean, he's only playing one side of the ball. But those two Super Bowl championships and the fact that he was a Super Bowl MVP, and let's remember the team that they beat in the Super Bowl. One of them was an undefeated New England Patriot team. Both times they were the underdog. So, and I think Eli, much like Jeter, in a different way, Jeter had the nightlife. Eli was more of the stay-at-home, quiet family guy. They both really conducted themselves well on and off the field. I think Eli, with the whole thing with Geno Smith, I wasn't too crazy about the way that he handled that. But that's like the one little blip, I would say, that he had. But for the most part, you know, he fits the mold of what the New York Giants kind of want and, the, you know, the consummate professional and everything like that. So, It'll be a big deal, and I think the fact that he's going out and he'll never play for another team, that's going to be big among New York fans, too. You know the way that we can get it. Remember, Clay, Joe Namath went and played for the Rams for a little while. Yeah, I got some stats for you here, and I was just saying, like, imagine that you told the Cincinnati Bengals uh, of Joe Burrow that he will do this by the time he retires. He will throw, he will start for 16 years. He will throw for 57,000 yards, which will be a top 10 all time. He will throw 366 touchdown passes, which will be top 10 all time. He will win you two Super Bowls, and he will win two Super Bowl MVPs. If you told Bengal fans right now that Joe Burrow, who's going to be the number one overall pick, would do all of that for them, they would say, we will rename the franchise after him. We will become the Cincinnati Joe Burrows, right? Like, So I wonder on some level whether playing in New York where the expectations are so high – I said, look, uh, to start the program, if Eli played in Minnesota or Jacksonville or Nashville or Houston or uh, San Diego back with the Chargers like initially he might have, they would put a statue to this guy outside the stadium merely for his career winning two Super Bowls. That's how huge it would be. In New York, I think a lot of people maybe took him for granted. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. And I also think, Clay, you know, Patrick Ewing, who did not win. Yeah. And I think once Patrick left, and now you look at what's happened to the Knicks. I mean, since Patrick's yeah. been gone, the Knicks have won. It's a good point. I think it's two playoff series. So they look you know, fondly back on what happened with Patrick Ewing now, now that he's gone. I think the same thing will happen with Eli. Like Eli, he was, listen, he was always pretty boring. When you get him in those press conferences, he was pretty dull. And everyone always thinks, you know, when Jeremy Shockey came to New York, oh, he'll be great for New York because of the kind of characters. They said the same stuff about Odell Beckham. 
that stuff, yeah, that might work in front of the press like every once in a while. Just a guy running his mouth and everybody thinks he's wacky. But it still comes down to how you produce. Rob Gronkowski would act pretty wacky. He produces. Deion Sanders would act, you know, would have this big personality. They'd go out there and produce. So I think a lot of times, even the New York media gets a little caught up. Oh, Jeremy Shockey, he'll be great. He fits New York. Same thing with Odell Beckham. But that, that's what it's not about. It's not really about so much your personality. It's, what, it's how you perform. And I think for you, I think the big one is always going to be beating that undefeated New England team. Because they had come into the Meadowlands a few weeks, but I think it was the final night or the final weekend of the NFL season or the second to last weekend. They came in, and the Giants were actually beating them. And late in the game, Brady threw a, a bomb to Randy Moss, and they remained undefeated. And listen, they were a little lucky to win that game. How Eli ever got out of that uh, you know, he should have been sacked on that play. And then David Tyree makes that miracle catch against his head. But you know what? You need a little luck in every sport to win. And right there, the, the Giants got a little lucky. And really, that moment and that Super Bowl was going to define Eli's career. I think even if he didn't win the next one, I'm not saying that obviously winning the second one has a lot to do with the Hall of Fame. But that first one was big, beating that New England team that nobody could beat. Uh, what about, okay, let's go to Jeter for a second. Should the baseball writer who didn't, make him a first ballot unanimous Hall of Famer, lose his vote? I don't think he should. I mean, I think it would be pretty – I get it. If he reveals his name, all the knuckleheads in New York will go after him. Yeah. But why not explain it? Like, you know, you're allowed to vote for ten guys. Why not explain why you didn't think that Derek Jeter belonged on the ballot? You know, I worked in newspapers for 30 years, and I always say this. Everyone in the media takes themselves very seriously. No one takes themselves as seriously as baseball writers. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and, and but to, in fairness, though, they do a really good job now. The Baseball Writers Association is very powerful. They decide who goes into the Hall of Fame, and they take that stuff incredibly seriously. I watched the show on MLB Network the other night, their Hall of Fame show, which was excellent. They kind of break everything down. And, you know, the, the guys that were on the panel brought up a good point. You know, they mentioned, you know, Joe DiMaggio, uh, you know, he wasn't unanimous. Yeah. You know, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. So there's been a lot of guys. But what's the reason you didn't do it? You're, the guy is probably thinking, well, I'm not going to, but why should Derek Jeter go in for his ballot if, you know, Willie Mays did? And I'm sure that was probably what the voter was thinking. But I, I don't think he should have his vote taken away. I, I, it would be pretty cool if we could just find out who it was and just explain, like, why you didn't vote for him. It's not, yeah, listen, it's not the end of the world. Everyone, you know, every, everyone else voted for Derek Jeter except for you. Uh, when you look at it, it is interesting about the Baseball uh, Writers Association. What would you do with Clemens and Bonds? This one for me is tough. Like I was, I was actually at that game in Atlanta. I mean, I was just starting out when uh, it was Sid Bream, I guess, who scored. Oh yeah, you know, Bonds threw the ball. I mean, everyone always forgets that was a great play by Barry Bonds when he was on Pittsburgh. Barry Bonds was a great guy to cover for whatever reason. He liked us idiots in New York. You know, he liked to stir it up with us. So we always hit it off with him pretty well. He was a lot different when he went to the Giants. Obviously, physically, he was a lot different. But you know, when he was on Pittsburgh. The guy, to me, was a Hall of Famer. He was yeah. a phenomenal player, could do everything. And I felt the same way about Clemens. See, I think Schilling, Schilling should definitely be in. I don't know how – I have no problem with Larry Walker, but how can you put Larry Walker on your ballot before you put Kurt Schilling Yeah, Kurt on? Schilling and, is not in because he because of his politics, right? I mean, and that, to me, is an indictment of the Baseball Writers Association because if he were, like, a super left-wing liberal – he would already be in the Hall of Fame because he's a conservative, whether you agree or disagree with him. That's the reason. His politics are the reason why he hasn't been elected to the Hall of Fame so far. 
Yeah, and that, that, that to me is, is discouraging because I think the writers could send a pretty powerful message. Let's say if you're a writer that has the opposite views of him politically and you voted for him, I, I think that would kind of open Kurt Schilling's eyes a little bit, too. Yeah, that's Maybe a good point. more tolerant. It's, I, I've been at games. I was at the World Series game when he pitched for Toronto. I'm sorry, against Toronto, that game five to save their season. There was an incredible stat. When he pitched in games where his team could be eliminated, his team was 5-0, and he was 4-0. Yeah. You cannot get any better than that in terms of clutch performances. But I would have put Schilling in, and i got to be honest with you, I'm putting, I'm putting Bonds and Clemens in. I'm not yeah. putting Sammy Sosa in. I don't think Sammy Sosa is a Hall of Famer, but I do believe that Bonds and Clemens are Hall of Famer. Yeah, I agree with you on Bonds and Clemens. Did you stay up last night and watch Zion? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's, isn't it classic NBA, though, because the NBA is like all about minutes restrictions? You know, it would be like uh, Patrick Mahomes. On a fourth quarter drive, he's leading them down the field, but he just came back from injury, so now we got to take him out of the game in the final <laughs> yeah, five minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like the, the NBA is completely nuts. It, it really is. Why don't we just put the guy in bubble wrap and uh, don't take him out of it until his third year in the NBA? This way, we'll guarantee he won't get hurt for the next two years. Yeah, it is really funny. No other sport, if the guy had taken <laughs> over the game and was potentially going to lead his team to the win, because I think on the final shot he made, they went up one point, right? Can you imagine yeah. the outrage if uh, that, that is such a good point? If, if, if a guy was coming back in the NFL and first game back and like he's leading a fourth quarter drive and he's hit like you know 10 consecutive passes and they're like, all right, well, he hit his minute restriction, we got to pull him out and, well, well, and put Clay, in somebody. Clay, think about it. Like they always talk about like these Hollywood endings and in sports, you know, you have sometimes these incredible endings to games. Never in a Hollywood movie did they have the, the star player stop with five minutes to go and come out on a minutes restriction. Only in the end does that happen. It would actually be great in Space Jam too if uh, LeBron <laughs> if LeBron couldn't play if the final game, a final quarter against the Monstars because he had a, a load management issue, um, and so uh, the Monstars went on to spoiler alert win uh, against uh, against LeBron and company because they had too many guys they had to rest uh, and they were over their minutes you, limit. Do you, do you know what? You know what one of the best things about the whole Space Jam thing is? Like, they had that director. I'm going to forget that guy's name. But he was on the project for like three or four months, and he got and uh, he was let go for creative differences. How great is it that LeBron has already fired his first director? <laughs> it's like tremendous. It's also <laughs> funny to me. What creative differences could you have on that movie? First of all, it's a sequel to a movie that's already been made. <laughs> Was somebody like, hey, I think the monsters need to win? And they're like, no, 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 we can't. Like, I don't understand what creative differences there could be on that script. It, it had to have something to do with, uh, you know, probably LeBron looking bad for one minute. Hey, what LeBron should have done, though, with, uh, you know, the cast that he put together, the guys that he should have in there that, they, you know, that all the kids would love would be Zion, uh, Taco Fall, yeah, you know Steph Curry and the Greek Freak, those yeah. are the guys that would be perfect for that movie, as, yeah. as opposed to like all of his buddies. Yeah, no, that is uh, that is interesting, uh, and and well, maybe the guy who uh, who uh, who was getting the most attention, Taco Fall, is a great one. Like my nine year old is is always talking. I mean, isn't he like leading uh, in in the All Star voting or close to it, he, way up there? He's in the t- he was in the top. I think at the last voting among forwards in the East, he was either. Sixth or eighth, yeah. He's, he's become a folk here, and he handles it so well. And he just looks like a caricature. I mean, look at the size of the guy. I mean, he and he handles that part of it really well. He'd be perfect in Space Jam. There's no doubt. Uh, Antonio Brown. We have we didn't even mention this in the opening of the show, so I should mention it uh, at some point. We'll talk about it in the next segment. Antonio Brown. There is now a warrant out for his arrest, um, and uh, obviously his life has just spiraled completely out of control. Um, how does this story end? 
I don't think it ends well. And I think, I, I think Antonio Brown is under the impression that he's interesting and this is all a game. This is all part. I actually think that he believes he's building his brand as opposed to basically destroying his career. It's so embarrassing. That video of him screaming and cursing yeah, at, the, at cops. the police. I mean, apparently he only has about four words in his vocabulary because he yeah. kept repeating them over and over. I mean, like he's got kids. It's, it's not going to end well for them. And what's going to happen is with a lot of um, professional athletes in every sport, you know, once you get to this point where the money is running out and then you, you can't find a job back in that sport. I always talk to a lot of NBA players who were kind of guys at the end of the bench who, after they're done playing, they become a coach with the team or they might move into the front office. Like, you can make a living at your sport if you just keep your nose clean, yeah. you know, pun intended. You know, that, that, can, that can go a long way. And this guy thinks he's smarter than everybody else and he thinks it's all a big joke. It, it's it's not going to end well, and, and it's becoming. As you watch it, it's sad, and we, I, you kind of feel like a voyeur after a, after a while because you're just watching this guy self destruct. But that's what he kind of wants. He wants everyone to see it, and I think he he believes maybe he's going to get a TV show out of it. I don't know. And who knows? As desperate as television is, maybe he will. But I can't imagine very many people are going to watch it. I mean, it's fair to say that at this point, and I argued for him even this year if he could have stayed out of trouble, that maybe he deserved an opportunity to come back because we still don't know what the NFL is going to rule in their investigation that they've uh, undertaken. But it's fair to say, I mean, it would be a tremendous upset if he ever plays in the NFL again at this point, right? I mean, do you have any belief that that'll ever happen? I don't think so. You know, it's weird, too. When he was on Pittsburgh, you know, I always thought of him as this great player. Like, you never heard, like, I never really heard him speak. I never really knew anything about his background. But you just like thought, man, he's a great player, and they got the great running back in Bell and the great quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, you're in a great organization like that, and he couldn't wait to leave that organization, always thinking something was going to be better. And that's why, to me, the Steelers, especially with Mike Tomlin this season, I get that they didn't make the playoffs, but I was happy with with, uh, the success that they had because Antonio Brown was making it seem like, well, if I leave, everything's going to fall apart. The Pittsburgh Steelers are always going to be there. They have a certain way of doing things. And that's an organization. Think about the way they treat their star players once they retire. So I don't think he's going to play. He completely has blown it, in my opinion. His agent didn't help him. I guess his agent dropped him or they – he dropped his age and Drew Rosenhaus, but the whole thing is a disaster. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, if you if you ever said a single critical word of Mike Tomlin or Ben Roethlisberger or the Pittsburgh Steelers relating to the way that they handled Antonio Brown, you owe everybody there an apology because the fact that they managed to keep this guy playing and keep him relatively out of uh, the media, I think, speaks to how well Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, and that organization handled him. Do you think he has CTE? I know you can't diagnose CTE until after, but I watched the Aaron Hernandez documentary, and I don't think in any way that CTE excuses, uh, obviously, him becoming a serial murderer, uh, but it does kind of give you a clue that his brain was broken, uh, even yeah. at the age of you know, 23, 24 from, uh, from playing football. Do you think the same thing is true of Antonio Brown? Because when I watch I, I, him, it's hard for me not to believe that he's got CTE. I, I definitely think that that could be a part of it. Remember, Pittsburgh has had a history there. Remember, you know, the movie, uh, what was it, Concussion? Is that the name yeah, of the movie? Yeah, Mike, Web- Mike Webster. Opened, with Mike Webster. Yeah. Who was, a, who was a young guy who, when he died, he looked like he was about 75 years old. He was only like 51 when he passed away. That could have something to do with it. I, ju- I just think he just makes some of the worst choices. You know, the one thing about Pittsburgh, and you mentioned Mike Tomlin, they've only had three coaches in the history of the franchise. They have a certain way of doing things. 
So if you think you're going to take the coach on and the, and the organization's going to side with you, yeah. those are the organizations that always end up winning. Like, look what goes on in Miami with Pat Riley, Bill Belichick in, um, in New England. Same thing with Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. All right, it's always not going to be perfect. There's sometimes going to be some you know, peaks and valleys. But I, I think the fact that the organization kind of stands behind the coach. Mike Tomlin's a good coach. I mean, come on, man. He, he, he does a really good job, and you're the one that couldn't fit in. When, when, the, when there's a breakup between the head coach and the player in this case, to me it's not a reflection of Mike Tomlin. It's more a reflection of the player, and look how it's played out since then. Has it worked out well for Antonio Brown since he left the Pittsburgh Steelers? Uh, not at all. Will you be down uh, in Miami when you get to town? You think you think I'm one of these big time uh, guys? <laughs> I'm not making it there. I got other work to do. Are you going? Uh, I'll be. We'll be down there. We do the radio row and the and the bells look, and whistles and everything else. Look yeah. at you. You're, but your kid. But obviously your kids aren't going to you because your Tennessee Titans didn't come. Yeah, through. that's crushing. Yeah, we were all set up to bring everybody down if the Titans could have beaten the 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 Chiefs, but it didn't happen. You know uh, what I thought? You know what I thought was big. The end of the first half. Oh, that decided giving the, game. the ball back to Mahomes. If they could have just gotten a couple of first downs and gotten out of the first half with a lead, I don't know. They probably still would have lost, but at least it changes kind of the tenor of the game. But how about Mahomes? The whole time I'm watching, I'm saying to myself, I cannot believe they're not calling timeout. And the dude ends up scoring with 11 seconds to go. He's unbelievable how good he is. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a uh, joke. Frank Isola, thank you as always. We'll talk to you again soon. Stay out of trouble in Miami, all right? I'll try. I'll do my best. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Joined now by at SI Chris Mannix, our NBA insider for many of the shows here on Fox Sports Radio, including Outkick. And I'll start with this, Chris. Did you stay up for the entirety of Chris Man- uh, of uh, Zion's debut? I did. Pretty, uh, pretty impressive. I mean, for a guy coming off uh, that kind of layoff and that kind of injury, uh, steps in there and not only you know plays pretty well, shows that range that nobody really saw you know coming into uh, to that game. Uh, I think all things considered, you have to be pretty pretty happy if you're the Pelicans. Yeah, he went four for four from three, and I talked about that in the open of the show. Do you think that's a reflection of maybe he spent a lot of time? when he wasn't able to uh, to be as athletic, you know, in terms of his training, that he spent a lot of time in the gym just putting up a lot of threes? Or do you think that was kind of a statistical anomaly, much like, say, James Harden going one for 17, uh, that that's not necessarily representative of him being a lot better three-point shooter than we saw uh, with Duke? What would you say uh, in terms of uh, in terms of that shooting display? Yeah, it's really hard to say off of, just one game. I mean, historically, when you talk to players that have had those lower body injuries, they do say stuff like, you know, I I spent a lot of time, you know, beyond the three point line, or I, you know, did things I wasn't normally used to doing. Yes. And working with that coaching staff in New Orleans, I'm sure they had him camped out there beyond the line, working on that shot, as they had all summer trying to extend his range, but. Yeah, he's going to have to do it in you know twenty twenty five games to make me believe that's a a part of his repertoire at this point. But it does it does bode well for his future as kind of a stretch four, maybe sometimes stretch five in this league if if he's at least showing the confidence that he's that he's able to shoot it. I mean, contrast it with with Ben Simmons, yeah. who won't shoot it, and and that's I think that's at the very least a good sign. 
Uh, so the other thing about this is I watched the first half and then I fell asleep. So I didn't see the uh, – I saw the highlights. And I think there's a lot of people out there listening to us right now who even if they were interested in watching Zion, there wasn't much fireworks in the first half. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and go to sleep. Maybe people even started the second half. It gets in the fourth quarter. I think there's a lot of people, if they're being honest, who fell asleep because it's a relatively late night game for East Coast people. Um, but when you when I watched him in the first half, he still didn't seem to be moving that healthily uh, mm-hmm. in, in terms of uh, in terms of the way like he, his lower body, his legs. Uh, did you notice that too? I mean, again, we're not doctors, and we're going to actually have a doctor on Dr. David Chow in hour three, and I'll ask him this as well. But did it still seem to you like he's not 100% back? Yeah, I don't know if it didn't seem like he was 100% back. He looked like a player coming back from a major injury. You know, yeah. and he, you know, There's only so many practices that you can go through that's going to bring your body all the way back to, to NBA shape. It's another thing, Clay, where just, I, I want to get to that kind of 2025 game mark and see where he is. I mean, the big question I have had throughout this about Zion is that he's he's unique in a way that you just – Maybe have never seen, outside of perhaps Charles Barkley back in the day, a player with that type of explosiveness with that type of upper body weight. So, you know, if he continues to play at or above the rim and comes crashing down on that knee over and over again uh, with that, that weight, I mean, how, how significant are these knee problems going to be in the future? That's something that, again, you know, maybe not even 2025 games, but year one, year two, year three, I'll be watching for Zion. Well, they said he's the third highest uh, weight player in the NBA right now, right? That was a graphic that they put up during the course of the game. And as you mentioned, there just aren't that many guys that have been his body type that have put that kind of strain on their knees. So that will be interesting to see. Uh, We talked about this as well. No other sport that I can think of. Maybe Major League Baseball when it comes to pitching, uh, you know, pitch count. But would you pull a guy out who's in the middle of the run that he's in with the game still on the line. Were you a little bit surprised that Alvin Gentry made that decision to go ahead and pull out Zion uh, in that scenario, or did you anticipate it? Yeah, no, I, I anticipated it. I mean, they're not screwing around down there. And that's it's commonplace in the NBA. It just happened a couple of weeks back. I was in Brooklyn watching a game where Karis LeVert was coming back from an injury, and the Nets made a run, and he got pulled. And I think the fans were, you know, one shot away from pelting Kenny Atkinson with yeah. with beer bottles, but it it just is is what it is, and it's even more amplified with Zion. I I really don't care if it was like a minute left, and you know Zion was had you know was was on a, the tear of his life. They were going to pull him out. He was on a that's an edict from the front office. He was on a very strict minutes restriction, and they were not going to mess with, it, especially not in his first game back. I know it's January. But the Boston Celtics, the last two games, have been pretty phenomenal. And I know they've been wobbly all year so far. Have they found something, or is this the big win over the Lakers and then the destruction of the Grizzlies last night? Is this just, hey, they happen to play two games in a row, and by February they'll be right back to doing what we've seen all season? Well, they've rediscovered that defensive identity that they had for most of the season in part. I mean, they, they have been very good in the first two months and the last you know three weeks they seem to have collapsed, and it looked like that, you know, the lack of, of depth in that front court without Baines and Horford uh, was was catching up to them. Uh, so I, I think I think the Celtics still are what I expected them to be, and that is a very very good regular season team. But when you get to the playoffs without some kind of upgrade, I just don't know how you compete with Milwaukee and 
you know, potentially even Philadelphia with the size they have in that front line. That's one of the, and I'm sort of working on kind of a trade deadline sort of primer piece for next month now, and they might be the number one or number two team to watch going into the next month, month and a half as you get to the deadline. And then that buyout market where I think a lot of big bodies are going to wind up being available. If they can add just one piece, I'm not talking about adding, you know, Mark Gasol or Clint Capella. I'm talking about adding like Jan Mahim. He gets bought out uh, down in Washington. If they can just add one more big body to contend with the Brooke Lopez and the Robin Lopez and the Embiid. Uh, I think they've got a shot to to pull out, come out of the East because their firepower on that perimeter is real. Tatum and Brown are fighting for an All Star spot. Kemba is an All Star. Uh, Gordon Hayward is as close to all the way back as he's going to get. Uh, they, they've got they've got some muscle on their on the perimeter. They've got to get it on the inside. Clippers are fascinating to me because of what they're doing compared to the Lakers. The Clippers are effectively saying we really don't care about the regular season at all. Uh, I believe last night they rested Paul George and Kawhi. Uh, Meanwhile, the Lakers are playing their starters. I know Davis has been injured, but they've been using him a lot, right? Um, And LeBron has been playing a lot of minutes as well. Uh, Two different strategies, it seems to me, as we come down the stretch run. Who do you think is going to be better served by their strategy come the postseason? Well, I mean, this is the same strategy that the Raptors employed last season with Kawhi, and it worked. So I, I I agree with it that they don't, you know, I think they'd probably like to avoid, you know, that 4-5 matchup if possible, and then the Lakers in the second round. But even that, they don't care. I mean, they, they that's a team they that fully believes in itself that, you know, on the road, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter where they are. As long as they are 100% healthy and rested going into the playoffs, that they're going to be able to beat anybody. Lakers are in a, I, I, look, I, I think Frank Vogel's done an unbelievable job there, but they're burning guys out pretty hard. I mean, you know, Davis coming back from this injury has gotten been on the minutes restriction, but they they, they got to be careful with LeBron. I mean, LeBron wants to play all these games and all these minutes. That's great. You've you got to you know, be happy that he can do that at this stage of his career, but at some point it catches up to you. You know, you're in your mid-30s, and I don't care what kind of physical freak you are, you got to kind of take your foot off the gas a little bit um, you know, to get ready for the playoffs. And I'm curious to see if they do that in the second half of the season. The Lakers' bigger concern, having seen them in Boston just the other night, what are they doing with Kyle Kuzma? Like, is he going to be able to turn into, you know, the player we saw the last couple of years? Or was he really just a stat stuffer on a bad team? He has got to emerge as some kind of consistent offensive threat for that team to win deep in the playoffs. How big of a favorite should the Bucks be in the East? Overwhelming. Right now, but you would be I, stunned, I, I, assuming they don't have injuries, if they're not in the NBA Finals. Yes, again, with the caveat that I'm, I'm curious to see what other teams do before the deadline. But I mean, I went to Milwaukee to see them play the Celtics, and it, it, it turned out being close at the end. But for most of it, they were just curb stomping them, and it was it was kind of like they got bored yeah, in the middle of it. It just uh, it, it just uh, it, they're just too deep at virtually every position. Giannis. You know, everybody's like up in arms over Jeter being in the Hall of Fame without without a unanimous vote. Giannis should be the unanimous MVP this year. He's putting up the kind of numbers we haven't seen since Shaq in his MVP season. Uh, you know, I guess the one concern I would have going into the playoffs is is Eric Bledsoe. You know, at times he has been uh, inconsistent in the postseason. The conference finals last year he wasn't very good. Uh, two years ago, you know, he had a tough postseason against Boston when Terry Rozier outplayed him. They don't have kind of a Malcolm Brogdon safety net there right now. But even without it, I mean, Dante DiVincenzo has been incredible for them this year. Wes Matthews has been good. 
Uh, Pat Connaughton has been good in stretches, so they've got some help behind him. But I guess if he throws up a stinker in the postseason, they might be a little bit vulnerable. But look at their margin of victory. Like It's like record-setting right now. I mean, they're beating teams by 12, 13 points per game on average. I mean, that's not something we've seen, I think, ever in the NBA. So, at least as far as the Eastern Conference goes, they are a prohibitive favorite right now. How would they match up with whoever emerges from the West? Whether it's the Clippers, whether it's the Lakers, who knows the Jazz are on fire right now. Uh, who knows who's going to come out of the West. But would you make the Bucks a favorite against whoever emerges from the West? No, if it's the two L.A. teams, probably not, even though no matter who they play, they're going to have the best player on the floor in Giannis. It's just, look, we've seen young teams, you know, stun people and, and and do some incredible things, but there is something to the belief that you know you kind of got to take your lumps along the way. They, in some ways, they remind me of that Oklahoma City team in 2012, which just had remarkable talent, but you know, had never been that deep in the playoffs before. The the Bucks have had some nice playoff runs in the last couple of years. They've taken their lumps in the Eastern Conference, but you know, getting to the NBA Finals for the first time and ask them to go up against LeBron James, ask them to go up against Kawhi and, and Paul George, that's a that, that's a pretty tall task for, for a team right there. So if it's one of the two L.A. teams, I would make them the favorite. Anybody else, though, uh, I would put the Bucks ahead. We're talking to Chris Mannix at SI. Chris Mannix on Twitter. Go read him there. Follow him there. Uh, Chris, I got an analogy for you. I'm wondering if you buy in. So San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl this year. And yep. if you talk to Jimmy G, he would say one reason we're in the Super Bowl is because I tore my ACL, and as a result, we got to go draft Nick Bosa and Nick mm-hmm. Bosa has been dominant on the defensive line. Our defense is the reason why we have been so good. Also, in the Bay Area, Golden State obviously has massive injuries. Clay Thompson tears his ACL. Who knows if he's going to come back this year. Right now, the Warriors are in position to potentially get the number one overall pick, depending on how the lottery shakes out everything else. Regardless, they're going to get a very high pick. Could you make an argument that, even though they stink this year, that the Warriors next year could be like the 49ers where they come back with a vengeance, the difference obviously being the 49ers hadn't been good before. The Warriors are going to be in a pretty incredible position with the draft pick and with the situation they're going to find themselves in, uh, even though they're taking their lumps and awful this year. Yeah, look, for uh, for a couple of reasons there. One, um, in addition to the draft pick, they're getting an opportunity right now, even in losing situations, to play guys that are going to be quality role players for them in the coming years. I'm talking about somebody like like Eric Pascal, who has been very good for them this year, who next year, when this team is reconstituted as whole, uh, he's going to be a very good uh, seventh or eighth man uh, on that group. And, you know, look, it's not so much of who they'll draft to add to that mix. I, I don't believe they want to do that. But with D'Angelo Russell and that top five pick, they're going to be able to put together one of the great – trade packages that we've seen. I mean, if, if there's a team out there that loves this draft, that loves Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball, and the Warriors are in a position to, to give you a pick that will get them and give you an all-star point guard who's 23 years old, you're not going to be able to trump that. Not too many teams will be able to trump that. So if there's a great all-star level player that fits the, the style of playing alongside Steph and Clay, they're going to be able to go out there and get them. So like for now, the super team era is over. I mean, it's only it's a two-star league at the moment. But the Warriors, very easily in the offseason, if somebody's available, could turn, could reconstitute a super team in Golden State and, and become a dominant team for two or three more years. 
the Delonte West video was difficult for a lot of people to watch. What was the reaction yeah. that you heard from inside the NBA? Comparable. I mean, I think everybody in the not everybody in the NBA wasn't aware of the the depths that Delonte had sunk to, but everybody was aware of the struggles he was dealing with over the last few years. Uh, even when he was trying to get back into the NBA in the early part of this of the last decade, uh, he was he was dealing with a lot of stuff, and teams were were keenly aware of it. His condition was was well known throughout his NBA days as well. And, you know, the, the number of people I've talked to privately about this have said that a lot of people have reached out, and a lot of people in the past have tried to to help Delonte West. It's just when when a guy's in that kind of position, sometimes they can be really difficult. Uh, to help, uh, you know, just uh, just a lot of a lot of sadness across the NBA for how far he's he's kind of fallen, and a lot of hope, I guess, that that somebody will be able to pull about him. I saw Jameer Nelson's post, and you know, and and hopefully people that have been close to him for a long time are able to get to him and and pull him back out of this. Good stuff as always, Chris Mannix. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. You got it, Clay. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, tool to finish the job stop by o'reilly auto parts and ask about their loaner tool program simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool then get your deposit back when it's returned need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly the professional parts people at o'reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. 
style. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. We are joined now by Dr. David Chow. He's at ProFootballDoc on Twitter. And uh, Dr. Chow, appreciate you getting up with us, man. I want to start, obviously, with the Zion uh, performance last night. He's coming off of what I think was a meniscus tear. You can speak to his injury certainly far better than we can. How would you assess his on-court movement last night so far as you could tell from a doctor perspective? Well, the thing that jumps out at me is his on-court shooting of three-pointers, yes. which he wasn't known for. I mean, hitting four in a row there in the fourth quarter is pretty fantastic. Now, watching him move throughout the game, uh, he does have a hitch or giddy-up to his gait. Now, whether that's just him or style, I, I have to admit I haven't seen him enough. I can't say it was a limp, but it certainly was uh, – uh, a little bit of a hitch there, so to speak. And, of course, he's wearing the sleeve, as expected. The surgery he had was fairly simple, uh, a knee scope with a lateral meniscectomy. But three months ago, I had written an article how this wasn't going to be a three-, four-week recovery. They're going to take their time. But, you know, there's some potential long-term concerns on his knee, given his size. Yeah, and, and those long-term concerns, do you factor in, as a as a doctor perspective, injuries at the age of 18 or 19 compared to 28 or 29 or 38 or 39 what kind of recovery does age factor in here and and also likelihood of further injury when you start this young well you know the you, the younger you get injured there's better healing potential but more long-term effect right yeah. because you still have more miles to drive on it here's my concern clearly he's a great talent and boy, if he can shoot the long ball like that, it's really a game changer. But, you know, first of all, anytime you have a lateral meniscus tear, it takes longer to recover. And it's well known that lateral meniscus tears potentially lead to more arthritis than medial meniscus tears. And that's the long-term concern here. Add to that that he's only 19 years old, so he's got a lot of pounding coming Add to that, he's, what, the third heaviest player in the NBA, and he's only, quote, 6'6". It's not like he can lose any weight. He's not like he's fat. He's all muscle. And imagine the amount of force he puts on his knee. Uh, Go back to college where, look, I've never seen anyone blow out a shoe like that based on cutting and the forces. And don't forget the fact that that's actually, in theory, his power leg because he is left-handed, and it's his right knee. So it's his takeoff knee, and, and it's his power knee. And that's why you probably have heard, heard some thoughts and some words about changing his alignment and changing the way that he runs, jumps, and lands. 
but that's tough to do. I mean, it's like tr- trying to change the throwing motion on a quarterback. It doesn't really happen that easily. Um, I, I want to pivot here uh, from Zion for a minute. Uh, you've probably been following the Antonio Brown story, and certainly yeah. there are a lot of people out there right now. I don't know if you've seen it, but the Aaron Hernandez Netflix documentary has become wildly popular, not just with sports fans, but with uh, with you know streamers and Netflix subscribers in general. I know that CTE is a relatively recent phenomenon in the world of uh, football, but how much conversation is there about CTE in your experience among players and also from a player-doctor conversation perspective? Is this something that you think, and the reason why I'm bringing it up is because the way that Antonio Brown's brain seems to be working right now does not feel normal, I think, to most people out there. Is this a conversation that is occurring on a regular basis between team doctors and players and from doctors and former NFL players and everything else? Is this a massive fear? How would you assess the conversations that doctors have with players and former players about this? Well, two separate questions, right? Whatever is going on with Antonio Brown may not even have anything to do with CTE. That's a totally different subject. But even just yesterday in my office, I had a prolonged conversation with a recent former NFL player about CTE and his fears, et cetera. And the fear is real. Uh, It's kind of like if you hear people talk about it, because, you know, players have this toughness persona and they try and you know put things in the back of their mind so to speak and and ignore things and and when you do hear it bubbling out and i do hear it coming out you know there's a lot more there uh, underneath because you know we're guys they're they're told to be tough they don't want to talk about these things but i think the fear is very real and i've seen it in other sports too i I take care of x games and action sports athletes Uh, They hit their heads a bunch, and and that fear is very real. And one thing I'd love to point out to any athletes listening, you should go to the Washington Post article. It's on my Twitter timeline from yesterday. The Washington Post has been very critical and at the forefront of, quote, exposing CTE and the NFL's action or inaction. So they are have been uh, very critical of the way it's been handled. It was a very interesting article about uh, one of the, uh, uh, the the subject of the movie Concussion, how uh, basically uh, there are a lot of mistruths being spoken, yeah. even though that moniker is truth. Uh, his moniker is truth. And I'll let you read the article. It was written uh, very intelligently by a Washington Post reporter there. And uh, I don't take any sides. I just uh, try and put out information that is accurate to both sides. I'm curious on this, uh, and and I think that that this may be a big part of it. Everybody's body is different, and I'm sure in your life you've seen guys and you've thought, oh my God, the way this guy's knee is constructed, he's going to be particularly susceptible to insert injury here, right? Like you can just look at it and say like this, right? Is it also possible that for CTE, all brains are not even equal either? So some guys may be capable of playing football and having a lot of uh, contact and everything else in their brain and not having the CTE develop. Other guys may well, just as some guys can play their entire career, never tear their ACL, and other guys, like it's like, you know, they tear their ACL three or four times, 
because body types are different and impact is different. Is that a fair assessment that maybe doesn't get talked about enough? Absolutely a fair assessment. And thank you, Clay, for bringing up another point not to circle back to Zion. One other worry is for Zion, given the lateral meniscus, he's a little bit knock-kneed or yeah. in valgus, we call it. And that puts more pressure on the outside of his knee. So he is someone that gives more concern. I'm not saying he won't have a great career. I'm just saying you have to worry about him a little bit longer. Everybody's body is different. And we treat a lot of Correct. times people like they're all the same. But the reality is everybody's not susceptible to the same illnesses or injuries and, and everything else. Absolutely. That, yeah. and, and, I'll, and, and I'll expound on your point and then make one additional one. Expounding on your point, look, uh, there's been a lot of awareness about heat illness and Corey Stringer and the Corey yes. Stringer Institute, the, the Minnesota Vikings player that died after a heat stroke in training camp. Look, it was hot in Mankato, Minnesota that day. It was hot for 90 players on the field, and Corey Stringer wasn't the only big guy. It's not like 12 people went to the hospital and Corey Stringer died. One person went to the yeah. hospital that day, and he died. So there had to be some predisposition to what was going on in my mind. The other thing that I find interesting, and we're going to look back at this one day, 10, 20 years from now, and laugh. It's like back in the days of Joe Namath and before, gee, you had a trick knee. We didn't really understand what an ACL was. Everything was a knee sprain. Well, right now, everything is called a concussion. You hit your head momentarily, you see lights for half a second, and it's called a concussion. And meanwhile, you get jacked, and you're unconscious for 15 minutes, have a seizure on the ground, go to the hospital, and that's called a concussion. Now, the, whether it's a, one day we'll get to a grade 2B temporal lobe concussion or a grade 3C oh, parietal yeah. lobe concuss, concussion, and we'll know how to treat them differently. So not only are people different, I think in the end we're going to find concussions are different. But it's not cool to say that was a minor traumatic brain injury because of the way NFL handled it. It's poo-pooing the, what the concussion is. So right now we broad stroke everything is concussion. But medically, we know that's just not going to be the case. That's really interesting because back in the day, people didn't know exactly what was wrong with the knee. They were just like, oh, his knee is messed up. And we didn't have the t medical technology to be able to diagnose it in the same way. And we may not have that for the brain right now. It's, I think a lot of people probably haven't thought about it that way. Yeah, what I would say, uh, uh, unfortunately, there's way more we don't know about concussions than what we do know about concussions right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, minutes. Uh, one of the big things in the NBA now is, for instance, we talked about on the show, Patrick Mahomes comes back after his kneecap injury, and there's no suggestion that his minutes are going to be limited in an NFL game. Okay? So, that is one story. Meanwhile, in the NBA, minutes being limited is a big thing. We see this sometimes with pitching. How much difference would there have been if Zion played 17 minutes as opposed to 22 minutes on that knee? <laughs> well, you know, you could have he could have gotten hurt again in the first minute, or yeah, maybe that's that my point, magic... right? Like, how how do you assess what minute value is worthy of being played versus not? Well, uh, you, you just have to draw the it's line art, somewhere. It's more art than science is what I'm saying, I think, in many ways. No, no, no question. But, you know, and we talked about this before related to Kawhi Leonard. And, um, you know, in the NBA, um, it's different than the NFL. Uh, the NFL has 16 games. The, NF the NBA, 82. So every game is, is worth five games, right? So it's, it's just different the way that minutes are restricted and, and, and games people can sit for load management and so forth versus the NFL. And the NFL has this 
you know, uh, and this in the NBA, this is uh, the regular season, but it's essentially the preseason, right? The the playoffs are kind of the the season for for the NBA. So everything is a little bit different. He's the franchise. The coach is being careful with him and uh, was put on strict minutes ahead of time. I think he stretched it a tiny bit. But in in the NFL, it's just different. I mean, uh, here we have uh, the pec tendon rupture uh, uh, of. Uh, uh, blanking on his name, J.J. Watt, and uh, that I think was supposed to be about 20 plays, and it ended up being 55 in right. that first playoff game because they were behind and they needed him, and and he made a key play late later in the game too, so it paid off. And so the urgency of the game and the flow of the game changed things. Look, if that Pelicans game was a uh, playoff game or a uh, you know World uh, uh, NBA Finals game, I don't think he's coming out after his minutes restriction. Good stuff as always, Dr. David Chow at Pro Football Doc. We'll talk to him in Miami next week. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.